0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Niners announced their presence with authority. The
1: Bengals are back on track. And the Jaguars are never, ever leaving London. More on week five as we come back here with the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. Uh, got a lot to go over today. Uh, excited uh, about. Uh, uh, talking about uh, what's happened so far in week 5 I'm going to start off the top though, with some negative news. looks like Aaron Jones, isn't going to play tonight in Monday night football. Nick, I got Jones active in two <clears throat> leagues. I got to go do the scramble drill and I got to figure out if there's a drop, if there's a
2: pivot uh, it, it's ugly. Yeah, I'll be doing the same thing in a couple of leagues. Uh, you know, I was just telling you off air, we got that report from, I believe it was Tom Pelissero of NFL network about 15 minutes ago. I, yeah, We've been monitoring Aaron Jones throughout the week, but I, I thought with the you know, the long week they played on Thursday a week ago, obviously you're traveling out to Vegas, but still 10 days uh, to, to kind of get Aaron Jones back to where he needs to be. We saw him on the field, uh, even in the second half after Green Bay fell behind big uh, to Detroit last week. We saw plenty of Aaron Jones in the second half and maybe he didn't look fully like himself and he didn't see a full snap load, but there was no, there was no initial indication that, that anything had you know, turned for the negative after that game. So this is this is pretty surprising. You know, Pelicero revealed that he you know, hasn't been 100% really for the last week and a half, hasn't been practicing in full. We, we knew that, but you kind of figured Green Bay was being cautious. And uh, that, that that really kind of throws me into uh, a bit of a bind for fantasy purposes, but for this game as well. I, I'm on Green Bay in staff picks. I, I picked Green Bay in my article. I got them uh, in the Pick'em League as well. And you know, we kind of knew this would be a difficult game on the road at Las Vegas, especially based on the side of the Packers that we saw Last season, but you take Aaron Jones away from a team that struggled to establish the run, and uh, that that really changes things as far as how the outlook of this game goes tonight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've got Aaron Jones in the RotoWire Stake League. It's already a struggling team, mm-hmm. um, and the thing is, like, it's not just that I have a lack of options to pick up. It's just, I do I have a drop that hasn't played yet. I guess I could drop Deontay Johnson or Josh Palmer if I can find somebody to pick up. I think I'm allowed to do yeah. that uh but in a lot of cases your players have all played there's two teams left um your, your pivot options are nil i mean i guess maybe the fact that there are four teams on by could help you just a little bit uh but i i don't even know if there's anybody i could pick up anyhow so uh that, that's the thing yeah. that's super frustrating
2: yeah i'm going through that as well i i in the the rotowire vegas league which was actually drafted for me by tech Tim. so shout out to him yeah uh, i i have Air jones jameer gibbs and kenneth walker in that league. So it's it, you know obviously Walker's out of buy, Gibbs was ruled out somewhat surprisingly this past week, uh, and now Aaron Jones. So I I'm, I'm going to buy it here. I mean I'm, I'm going to you know after this kind of try to find somebody <laughs> from either of these teams to pick up. Uh I mean in that league, you know it could it could even be a a receiver. You have some flexibility as far as the number of uh, you know, running backs and receivers that you start each week. But, yeah, it's it's a disaster scenario for, for most fantasy owners. There's not, there's not really an obvious pivot. There's not somebody out there who is just sitting there, you know, waiting to pick up 15 fantasy points tonight. So, uh, in all likelihood, you know, if you needed Aaron Jones to get you 15 to 20 tonight, you're, you're probably losing that matchup.
1: Yeah. I benched, uh, by the way, I benched Zach Moss so I could start Aaron Jones. Ah, week, so. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, yeah we'll Moss, get to he, that later.
2: Well, he didn't do anything this week, right?
1: No, nothing, nothing. You know, he was totally marginalized because Taylor's back. Yeah, so that's before. right. Uh, no. Nope. And it's on my fantasy league. So global player lock. So I can stop mm-hmm. looking for anybody to pick up because I can't pick up anybody. So there you go. There you have it there. Good times. All right. Um, now we got our angst out of the way. Um, if you have Justin Jefferson, we're still, uh, still on further evaluation of his hamstring injury. Speaking of angst, a lot of angst there. Uh, but, uh, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, I got the bears this week, I think. So, I know You you, you need Jefferson on that wall. Uh, You know, he didn't do much last week against the Chiefs, but uh, we'll see waiting on that one a little bit there, too.
2: Yeah, it's one of those games where it's like Minnesota – could probably still win that game without Justin Jefferson but for fantasy you absolutely want him out there going up against that Bears defense and uh you know, we'll, we'll talk about the Bears at some point yeah obviously they played on Thursday night uh, the the offense finding its footing uh, mm-hmm. over these last couple of games but this is still a defense that you absolutely want to be targeting in fantasy and you know we'll, we'll see on Jefferson you know kind of went out of that game against the Chiefs late uh, after you know making a cut and just kind of coming up lame um you know honestly kind of amazing that it doesn't happen more often with the you know the kind of uh, I guess what severity of uh, the the suddenness of his movements, you know, you you watch the the clutch that Justin Jefferson makes. It's a lot of pressure uh, on those ligaments and on, you know, the, the the muscles in those legs. So we hope Justin Jefferson's okay. You know, we'll, we'll talk about some of the other injuries that we're monitoring, uh, coming out of week five. We saw Daniel Jones go out, uh, late in the giants loss to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, got some Tyron Taylor action at the end of that game to me, you know, Daniel Jones looked, I mean, he was sacked, what, six times? He was taking a number of hits. There was kind of one final hit to the head-neck area that knocked him out of the game. It, it also felt like it was kind of over at that point. So you, you wonder how much that factored right. into the decision. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, that, that's another big one.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we'll be tracking all of those uh, and a whole lot more. I mean, just, I will say one more thing about Jefferson. It happened, you know, on making a cut. Yeah, Tr- Kelsey aggravated that ankle, making a cut. In fact, mm-hmm. that looked a lot worse at the time, right before the way Tony Romo especially reacted like oh no uh, <laughs>
2: yeah Romo Romo was talking like Kelsey's career was over it was it was kind of funny I mean and look you know you normally you don't see you know the negative side of things on TV you know if anything they, they try to spin it more positively but you know, anybody who watched that play you're, you're thinking you know I, I know the word Achilles was trending like it didn't really strike me as an Achilles type injury I mean his leg just kind of it looked like it kind of got caught up and buckled right. but I certainly did not expect you know to, to come back from the final commercial of halftime and there's Travis Kelsey like jogging around with his helmet on on the sideline. You know, at the very least, you're thinking, okay, he's probably done for this game, and hopefully, yeah. this is you know a week to week injury and not season ending. Uh, but yeah, for him to come back in the game for the most part, look like himself, catch a touchdown, that was a, a huge, huge sigh of relief.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, and, and I, I like I s- had to go somewhere, so I was like, oh, gonna have. I was telling people at, at my soccer team, oh, Kelsey got hurt. Now I got to scramble in. Nope. Or maybe not. We'll see. I will say, a couple of non-contact things on that turf in Minnesota. Wonder if that's kind of like an issue going forward there a little bit there. But we'll see about that. Uh, Let's start hitting the games. Let's start off uh, with the Thursday night game before we get into the happy talk. Uh, The Bears and the Commanders. Nick, I'm in a league where I started off. On Thursday night, I'm up against Justin Fields, DJ Moore, and Cole Komet. Game over. I mean, my fantasy game was over by... Not, you know, 8 o'clock uh, Thursday night, my time.
2: Yeah, I think in most leagues, it was a 49-point week for DJ Moore. Uh, and obviously, if you have it paired with Justin Fields, that was pretty much game over for you after that one. Four touchdowns for Fields, 15 of 29 passing, 282. Uh, You know, a couple long ones for DJ Moore. He goes eight for 230. He was the, the only Bears receiver to catch a pass in this game. The only the only other two were Cole Komet and Robert Tunyon. Uh, so very limited, uh, you know, kind of unique offensive game. For Chicago, you know, they saw the long touchdown at the end of the game to D.J. Moore. That that felt like to be eight times out of ten. That's either broken up or it's going the other way for a pick six. I, I don't know how the defender somehow did not get his hands on that ball. Don't really fault the defender in that scenario. I think you need to create a play. There was like four minutes left in the game if you're Washington. You have to take that chance. You can't necessarily go for the tackle. But that was just insult to injury if you were playing against D.J. Moore. And uh, the Bears obviously needed this game. You know, we, we saw the offense turn around last week against Denver they end up blowing it there were certainly times in this game where you felt like we were going to head down uh that same narrative but uh you know Bears were able to force a couple of turnovers this was a a sloppy sloppy game really from the jump uh for the Washington Commanders who I I expected to 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 come out and and kind of make a statement here uh, against what I thought was you know one of the two or three worst defenses in the NFL I I don't know that that's necessarily changed but uh Washington just just got completely uh you know kind of blown its doors off uh, in the beginning of this game and it, it felt like never really recovered from that initial impact
1: Yep. Uh, seventeen point seven percent of Circa Survivor people use the commanders. Thank you. Uh, love that. Um, uh, I I mean, I thought about it myself, and in fact, I think in one of my other Survivor pools, whereas at like we get like a couple of strikes, I did use them, yeah. thinking just to diversify my picks a little bit. But uh, no, I mean, uh, you know, in in Circa, I, I'm I'm I remain super chalky uh and i yep. went with the lions uh so I, I, in fact i almost regret going with the lions once i knew amon ross st brown wasn't going to play right. well and uh, gibbs and gibbs and gibbs although yeah. they don't use gibbs anyhow um yeah. th- that's the thing though but uh you know what uh, you know the, you know with the command it's it's kind of funny like i'm looking at i i always look at the espn box score page and there's three yep. links to videos on the right hand side and i think the narratives about this game are so funny McAfee, Ron Rivera looks like he's checked out. Why Stephen A. could see Eric Bieniemy taking over as commander's head coach? And should the Bears trade Justin Fields after his big game? Like, oh, okay, those great. are your storylines. Okay, great.
2: Yeah, got to get rid of Justin Fields right now. That's for sure. Uh, sell high. Um, I, I don't think the Bears will be yeah. doing that. But it, it, it certainly makes this uh, more complicated evaluation, right? I mean, with Justin Fields, it, it does kind of feel like you're going week to week with him. Yeah. And, you know, these last two weeks have certainly been a, a hell of a lot more encouraging end the first three, and it's it's a it's a really complicated situation here because I you know even this win notwithstanding, I still think the Bears are going to be very much in the mix for the number one pick, whether it's their own pick or it's the Carolina pick, a, a winless right. team. Others, I mean, they're you know at the very very least they're going to be in position to trade up to number one if they want to because they're they're probably going to have two of the top you know at worst seven picks uh, in this draft, and likely at least one of those will be in the top three if not both. So yeah, it, it's it's a really tough situation if if you're a Bears supporter. Uh, you know, we, we've talked to guys like, you know, Danny Burke and Dan Kilbridge uh, on the radio show quite a bit. And I, I love checking in with them week to week because it, it really feels like it's just this constant ebb and flow of, all right, are we in on Justin Fields? Or are we not in on Justin Fields? And I, I still think regardless of what we see for Fields, you know, barring just a, a scorched earth finish to the season here, which to me seems pretty unlikely. Uh, if you have the opportunity to, to bring in someone like Caleb Williams, I, I think you have to do it. But Uh, You know, all of a sudden, Fields is making that a little bit more difficult of an evaluation.
0: Yeah,
1: I don't think they end up with the number one overall pick unless it's Carolinas. But I think there are I still think there are worse teams than Carolina out there. I don't think Carol. I think Carolina is just they've got such a really bad offensive line. And I think Bryce Young is still getting some growing pains, Uh, but they still have a real defense. I don't know. I I I don't see them as the worst team out there. So that's just my impression. A couple other quick notes. Uh, Khalil Herbert got hurt. and looks like he's gonna miss multiple weeks. He was on his way to a pretty big game. Uh Rashawn Johnson had a concussion in this game. Um, they even lost Travis Homer in this game. So we could see healthy scratch Deonta Foreman get some run next week.
2: Yeah, default. We, we we finally might see him, you know, as part of the mix. Uh didn't really see any of that on, on Thursday night. But we saw Kari Blossom game uh get, get get into the backfield. He had eight carries for twenty-six yards. You know, the Bears uh, built that early lead and were Still semi-aggressive, but you know also trying to sit on that in the second half, and it was it was a productive game on the ground for Chicago. Thirty-two carries, including eleven for Justin Fields, for one hundred seventy-eight yards on a, a Washington defense that I think on paper you look at that D line and say, okay, this this should be you know one of the better in the NFL, and that. It, they're kind of right in the middle of the pack. You know, they haven't been a disastrous defense thus far, but you look at some of just the, the raw point totals that they've allowed some of the comebacks that they've allowed. um, You know, they've had kind of half of their games. It feels like they're the team coming back. The other half they're falling behind early. Uh, You know, this offense we knew would have some variance with Sam Howell. You know, he's the type of player I think in general, you kind of want somebody who's going to take risks, somebody who could throw you back into a game. We've already seen it a couple of times this year, but uh, you know, the defense getting blitzed early against this bears attack to me was really surprising.
1: Indeed. Indeed. Um, Let's uh, move on, and we'll take random questions in the chat um, at the end, but uh, right now we're trying to stay on point. Um, let's move on. It's happy Lid Day here. Uh, we we're both wearing our respective oh, yeah. hats. Let's jump right into the Jaguars there as the next game. Uh, two two games in London, two wins, and this one was a uh, re- better represent, representation of the Jaguars too.
2: I hope so. I hope this is the team they are. Uh, you, know, you look at the point total, twenty-five. It's not going to blow you away, but I, I think in a lot of ways, this was this was in the conversation as the best game of Trevor Lawrence's career. Uh, it was still mm-hmm. sacked five times. The offensive line, even with Cam Robinson back, I think is is an issue. But you're going to go up against one of the best defenses in the NFL. Although the Bills, you know, we, we knew they lost Trey White last last week. They they lose Matt Milano in this game. They, they had a few other injuries, you know, kind of random depth pieces throughout this game. So there there was some attrition. I think that affected the Buffalo side of things, but when Trevor Lawrence was clean, I think he was 11 of 13 passing uh, just really was, was on point. You know, we we had the, the deep ball to Calvin Ridley uh, that basically sealed the game long third down. It was essentially the exact same play that we saw from Justin Herbert to Josh Palmer last week. And, you know, it's not, not necessarily what you want, you know, your quarterback taking a huge hit and just whipping it up there, but a perfect, perfect ball by Trevor Lawrence, a perfect kind of over the shoulder catch by Calvin Ridley, who I, I think, Exercise some of the demons that had that had been haunting him the last couple of weeks. You know, some drops. you know, Only had a couple of targets a week ago. I mean, this was easily his best showing in a Jags uniform. He goes seven for one twenty-two. They got Christian Kirk going as well. Zay Jones was back this week. He caught a touchdown. Ended up actually leaving uh, in the second half with an injury. So that's another one that we'll be tracking over the course of this week. But to me, it was it was the running game. It was you know getting Travis Etienne established twenty-six for one thirty-six at the long thirty-five yarder uh, at the end of the game. Two touchdowns for Etienne. And then the other side of that, I mean, holding the Buffalo Bills to one of their worst rushing games of the entire Josh Allen tenure. Uh, I mean, James Cook, five carries for negative four yards. They did a good job containing Josh Allen on the ground. I mean, 14 for 29 as a team, uh, if you're the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they, they they flashed a stat early in this game, Jeff, that the Bills had only had four three and outs on the entire season coming into this game. And I think they had three in the first half against Jacksonville. So uh, I, I did not think the Jags defense w- would step up in this spot but credit to them and and that's why the hat is back
1: yeah for sure um and you know it could have been you know a bigger score i mean lawrence is lawrence lost two fumbles in the red like in in offensive territory i think one was in the red zone Yep, sack fumbles both i mean and he avoided some other sacks there too so the offensive line is an issue cam robinson struggled and then got hurt a little bit too so that that's something to watch for there a little bit so that there is things to work on there's always things to work on but at least you ha- you can identify that a little bit more um i th- i think it's noteworthy the just how stark the difference in snaps is between etn and bigsby we were all, mm-hmm. a lot of people were worried about bigsby in week one he was getting a lot of passing down stats i mean snaps that's not happening anymore uh etn's getting a lot more targets this yeah. year i'm encouraged by that as much as i am the running too. four for 48 in the air
2: he looked fantastic in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think this was a reminder of just how special you know this guy is when, when you get him some space. And even even the touchdown run, you know, he's kind of looked like he was maybe going to be stacked up with the line and just burst out of there uh, for 35 yards. I mean, just the the suddenness, the you know, some of the long strides that he takes for being a shorter guy. I mean, he's he's a tough player to bring down, despite not being all that big. You mentioned the Lawrence fumbles. I mean, those were killers. Uh, one of them I, I didn't think was his fault; just kind of got blindsided from behind. Uh, the second one, you just got to take care of the ball there. But both of those were inside the Buffalo 25 yard line. So at the very yeah. least, you think you're getting field goals on those drives. Uh, you know, Bills had a, a quick touchdown late, right? When it seemed like Jacksonville had kind of sealed it up, you know, four play drive, all of a sudden they score, turn it back into a five point game Jags punt. Uh, and, and, you know, the bills kind of have like two desperation plays and, and ended up fumbling on on what appeared to be some sort of hook and ladder uh, attempt, but uh, yeah. yeah, frustrating day for the bills offense. Uh, again, could not get the running game going at any point. You know, they were just five of 12 on third down the Jags finally, finally got it going on late down situations, Jeff. I love the aggressiveness. You know, we we didn't see so many short passes. You know they racked up almost 500 yards of total offense. Uh, in terms of total plays, 82 for Jacksonville, 54 for the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, Jacksonville won the type of possession battle pretty handily. 10 of 18 on third down. That's been the biggest thing for Jacksonville. I, I don't think. Yeah, you know, I've been down on the Jags just because I, I'm a you know dumb reactionary fan but th- that's, that's really been the difference for them is they have not been able to convert. Not, not, you know, it's not, you're not asking them to convert every third and 12, but it's, it's the third and ones, the third and twos that have been holding this team back. Right. And you're converting those at better than a 50% clip. Uh, I, th- I think this is the Jags offense that we envisioned
1: Indeed. Speaking of dumb reactionary fans, I'm wearing my Bengals lid here. And I, I, I thought, I thought that the Cardinals should have been at least a pick em, if not a favorite against the Bengals. I was wrong about that. I'm very happy to be wrong about that, Nick. Uh, Yeah, uh, the, the Bengals, again, they have their issues still, too. They still need to protect Burrow better. They need to stop the run better. But at least for one day, things were kind of back to normal. Burrow to chase was just unstoppable. It really is true. Chase is always open.
2: I I mean, you kind of forgot that T Higgins wasn't playing in this game, right? Because Jamar Chase was, was so dominant. Uh, You know, Trent Irwin, Tyler Boyd stepped up with some big catches as well, but this was, it was all about Chase. I believe he set the franchise record for catches 15 for one ninety-two, and three scores. Uh, It was not an overly efficient day for Joe Mixon. He goes 25 for 81, but needed him to run some clock uh, in the second half. Getting off to a big start, I think was key for Cincinnati, right? Mm -hmm. I think last week they had the, the long drive that kind of stalled out. You get a field goal there. Um, And from then on the, the offense couldn't do a whole lot. I mean, they scored a touchdown on their first drive, a field goal on the second drive credit to Arizona for climbing back into this game though. I mean, Arizona got punched in the mouth. All of a sudden, you know, it's 14 10 Cardinals with back-to-back touchdown drives midway through the second Bengals go three and out after that. And you're like, Oh man. Oh, okay. Are we doing this again? Uh, If you're Cincinnati and then, you know, the, the following drive, another long one, 13 plays, they get stuffed at the goal line on fourth and goal. And immediately pick six right after that, like that, that to me is when this game truly flipped because Arizona had all the momentum, uh, you know, coming off of those two touchdowns, coming off of that stuff. Uh, and then the, the just awful pick six by Josh Dobbs uh, felt like flipped this game just before halftime. Bengals get the ball coming out of the second half, put up another touchdown. And once it got to 10 points, I know Arizona scored on its next drive, but you, you just kind of felt like Cincinnati was back in control.
1: Yeah. um I was a little worried after Arizona scored again on their next drive, because again, yeah. that was when D Mercado got, was just, running very effectively like stop (laughs) of all people yeah i mean you know the other guy from tcu uh uncle ted asks is he a must add um he's a might add i mean he faced the rams this upcoming week i could think of worse matchups i could think of better ones uh i you know a lot depends on connor a lot depends on ingram to see if he's back and you know how much are they gonna run rondale moore is going to steal some of those carries too uh, yep. So that that's also something to watch for a little bit there too. But uh yeah, uh, you know, there's a sequence at the end of the second quarter, which uh, I thought turned the game. Bengals are down 14, 10. They get stuffed on fourth and one. And by the way, they, they had two play. You know, Mixon was actually getting it to third and goal at the one. They had two good runs up the middle. I'm like, okay, I can see it pounding up the middle. Mm-hmm. They failed twice running it up the middle. Second one, the fourth down play was really close, but was clearly short. His knee was down. Uh, but I still was in favor of it because the Bengals still had their three timeouts field mm. position could still matter. And then obviously the pick six happened and that's another one of the range of outcomes of things that could happen. And uh, that, that play right there turned the game. All of a sudden, you, you know, yeah. Cardinal said the Cardinals feeling good about themselves. They give up the pick six. They're trailing at halftime. They almost got picked again before halftime. Logan Wilson almost had another pick, but big game changer there. Um, and I, you know, Cam Taylor Britt, you know, got the the return for the touchdown. They did a great little zone blitz, uh, zone blitz that confused Josh Dobbs. Dobbs had his worst game of the year. Um, pretty big, big sequence there.
2: Yeah, I, I think the other thing with Dobbs, I mean, outside of throwing the two picks, he, he lost a fumble as well that turned into points for Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kept Josh Dobbs contained on the ground. And this was really the only team that's been able to do that so far. Right. I mean, yep. he, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not racking up you know, 85 yards every week. But hes it's felt like each of these previous four games, there's been a couple like backbreaking you know, second and long, third and longs, where Josh Dobbs yeah. is, is ripping off a twenty yard run, and I, I think that had to be a point of emphasis for the Cincinnati defense. You know, not having Josh Dobbs involved as a runner whatsoever. Um, it, his longest run of the day was two yards. I mean, it was yep. just not a factor. Uh, that was huge for Cincinnati on defense. And you know, on the, on De Mercado, it, to me, it depends one hundred percent on Connor. Like we have no idea uh, you know, what's going on with that knee. We haven't had an update yet today. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll get that today or tomorrow, but. Uh, you know, he was able to jog back to the locker room. Like this didn't look like a a devastating injury necessarily, but obviously did not come back into the game. So, uh, I'm not rushing out to pick up De Mercado until we know that, that James Conner is at the very least, you know, 50, 50 to play next week. If that's the case, then yeah, I think you go grab him. Um, you know, they'll they'll likely you know get Corey Clement involved uh, to some degree if if James Conner is unavailable, but I really like what I saw from, from D Mercado on uh, on somewhat of a limited basis.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one there. Um, yeah, the fact that they didn't go to Clement at all—uh, maybe it's just they weren't—he yeah. wasn't ready for that or something. I don't know. Didn't but take a
2: single I, snap. It was—it was a little odd.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and unfortunately, we're in leagues where we have to make waiver moves on Tuesday night, so yeah. we won't know unless the, the Cardinals say any, anything today, because we know they won't say anything tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. Tuesday being like the quietest news day of this of the the weekly schedule mm-hmm. there, unless you're one of the Thursday night teams. So, anyhow, uh, we're on the Blue Nire, Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for your indulgence. Thanks to the Blue Wire Network for hosting us. Uh, let's roll on with uh, breaking down the schedule for the week here. Uh, go back to the early slate of games. Colts with a big win at home despite losing to Anthony Richardson. Beat the Titans 23-16. to 16. Uh, You know, things are setting up well for the Jaguars in the AFC South. Uh, you know, Tennessee losing uh, t- yesterday uh, and, as well as Houston losing yesterday. Pretty good day for the Jags. And also, you know, you already have a win in hand over the uh, over the Colts in Indy, no right. less. Uh, and they just lost Anthony Richardson for a period of weeks.
2: I, I don't know if that's a bad thing, though, right? Uh, we, we've talked about this a few times, you know, partially because Richardson's already missed time. And, and some of these other rookie quarterbacks, you know, Bryce Young, uh, you know, having Andy Dalton step in for him. Like, I if I had known that Gardner Vinci was going to play the majority of this game, I think I would have picked the Colts in staff picks because I, I think really? he, he kind of unlocks something through the air. Uh, that, that Anthony Richardson does not. And obviously, you know, Richardson is a, is a special player on the ground, but this is now two injuries for him uh, that have, you know, involved him carrying the ball, right? And, you know, I, I don't think you look at him body-wise and, and say, oh, this, is, this isn't this is somebody that we want getting outside the pocket. Like, that's that's a huge part of the appeal with Anthony Richardson is he has to be able to, to kind of absorb those hits and, you know, a lot of times be on the, the kind of dishing out end of those hits. But, I mean, this is looking like an injury. Uh, if it is indeed the the AC joint that we think it is, you know, we could be looking at multiple weeks here. Uh, Colts actually play uh, the Jaguars next week. So they'll they'll get that second Jags game out of the way. Big opportunity for Jacksonville. Uh, they will not take a bye, uh, by the way, coming back from London. And they play on Thursday night, the week after. So kind of a, a tough uh, you know, month long here uh, for the Jags with, with all the travel and the short weeks. But they get their week nine bye. Nonetheless, big opportunity for Jacksonville to to kind of get two up on the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, very strange game overall. I mean, every Titans game feels strange to me in some ways. Like This is an offense that we don't... I don't think we really talk about them as, you know, in the same category as like Chicago or or Pittsburgh or some of these teams that feel like they just could barely move the ball. But there are certain weeks, man, where where the Titans just feel kind of helpless if they can't get Derrick Henry going. And this is the fourth time now in five games that Derrick Henry has been completely bottled up 13 for 43, uh, essentially split snaps with Tajay Spears. uh, Although they are on the field together a decent amount as well, Uh, that that's been a, an increasing trend over the last couple of weeks. And it was you know the Indianapolis Colts that were the team that was able to go up and down the field on the ground. Yeah. Zach Moss, another oh. huge game, twenty three for one sixty five and two scores at the long fifty six yarder. We did see some Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you know, had a nice catch and run for sixteen yards, but only played ten snaps.
1: Yeah, I overestimated how many snaps Taylor would play. Uh, I actually had him ranked ahead of Moss. I benched Moss in a league. Whoopsies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that one's gonna that one's gonna leave a mark. Uh, Moss looked great against the Titans, no less. I I, You know, you don't run against the Titans. That's the thing. You're like, oh, you're right. I was told. Yeah. And Moss went 23, 165. He actually had two catches for 30 yards, too. Moss was the star of the game.
2: Yeah. And this is what the second or third time this year that we could say that. I mean, he looks he looks really, really good. Uh, Obviously, you expect Jonathan Taylor, uh, especially after the extension. uh, Now that they're committed to him, you, you expect him to take on a larger share, but I mean, the way Zach Moss is playing, I think it's Mm -hmm. uh, kind of going to be a situation where we we have to see both of them, uh, at least in the short term here Uh, on the Tennessee side of things. I mean, not, not much to take away from this offense as is typically the case, but Deandre Hopkins, easily his best game of the season, had some monster catches, some, some kind of vintage Deandre Hopkins catches in traffic. Uh, He goes eight for one hundred and forty, did not find the end zone. However, Uh, you know, on the Indy side, Josh Downs six for 97, Michael Pittman five for 52. That was about it uh, in, in the receiving game. And this is a team that, that uses a bunch of tight ends, you know, Ali Cox, I think went out of this game. Uh, so we saw, saw a little bit more of, of guys like Drew Ogletree and, and Kylan Granson, but, uh, you know, two teams that have, you know, a, a very limited number of, of fantasy relevant players that we were worried about, uh, you know, Nick Westbrook, Akina didn't really do anything. Uh, you know, Traylon mm-hmm. Burke's value continues to just bottom out week to week. Uh, we did see Chickaconquo get nine targets, but caught only five of those for 33 yards. So no real change there.
1: Yeah. Spears, I think it was the takeaway. He, he looked good. Um, I, I, I thought I was impressed with him. Uh, in addition to Hopkins, obviously who was great. I actually used Hopkins in DFS this week. That was Ooh. fun. Uh, it would have been nice if he got in the end zone, but, uh, other than that, it was, it was pretty darn good. Uh, we had a question in the chat earlier from, uh, Tyler Sperry asking about thoughts on Michael Pittman. know, he, he's good. He's they're top. Ta- he got the, he got seven targets, but He's not getting too many big plays. I'm not sure Minshew unlocks him that much more than Richardson does.
2: No, not really. And it, it's, it, it kind of goes counter to, to what I said, Where I, I feel better about this passing game with Minshew. And I, I still do believe that, but I mean, Pittman, Pittman's kind of the one guy who was sustaining with Anthony Richardson. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I, so, so for him, I, I don't think it's a, it's not necessarily a downgrade, but it, I, I don't think he gets upgraded as much as some of the secondary pass catching options do for Indy. I mean, to me, he's still the clear number one guy. Uh, you know, The receptions have not really added up with the targets the last couple of weeks. I mean, 12 targets brought in only six of those, you know, had kind of a disaster week uh, in week four against the Rams. But prior to that, you know, eight, eight, nine catches over the first three weeks. I mean, it, it, if you're asking, you know, should I try to unload him? I, I would say probably not. I mean, you, you don't have a ton of plus matchups coming up. Jacksonville, Cleveland, and New Orleans are the next three for Indy. But I don't know that you're you're going to get any option back in a Michael Pittman trade that you feel a whole lot better about. Like ultimately, he's still the number one receiver in right. that offense, so I, I'd probably hold him.
1: Yeah, I think I probably would too. The Jacksonville game could be good, revenge game, uh, but uh, you know, otherwise, I mean, Cleveland and New Orleans, I mean, that's pretty nasty back to back there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those, those aren't going to be plus matchups by any means, but you never know. Yeah, you never know. I mean, he went nine for seventy seven against a. Uh, What we consider to be a pretty good Baltimore defense, although one that, uh, you know, continues to struggle in the secondary as we'll as we'll get to. Indeed. Indeed.
1: Every week I rewatch every game on NFL Plus, just uh, the condensed version. I couldn't do the full two and a half hour version, but every week I stall and stall before watching the New England game. And this is no no different this week. Uh, What a disaster, Uh. Nick.
2: Patriots are the worst offense in the NFL and it's really not close at this point. If you look into a lot of the advanced numbers, they are dead last in rushing EPA. They are somehow not dead last, but they are 31st in passing EPA. Oh my goodness, man. It's, it's, I, I, this is the game that I have the fewest notes for. I just, yeah, I I don't even know what you say about new England at this point. I mean, you could just kind of pencil in Ramondre Stevenson for these like eight for 20 type of games every week. Now Uh, we continue to see more Ezekiel Elliott. He didn't really give them a whole lot either. Uh, I mean, the the Patriots receiving core is just depressing. Uh, if you're talking about it from a fantasy perspective, uh, you know, it's interesting because we, we've seen a couple of these like back against the wall, you might lose your job type of games from some other quarterbacks this year. Um, you know, Desmond Ritter, for example, I thought played about as well as he could have this past week, you know, Zach Joe or Zach Jones, Zach Wilson uh, has kind of staved off, uh, you know, some of the questions that, that he's been facing the last two weeks. And I was wondering, like, can Mac Jones do the same, you know, coming off of a disaster game last week and he get back on track and he, you know, at least kind of quell some of this skepticism and some of this vitriol that's been directed <laughs> at him. That was a definitive no, Jeff. Uh, had yep. he had the pick six to Tyron Matthew early in the game, had another pick, uh, you know, just never settled in. And, you know, I, I thought fairly, you know, Bill Belichick kind of defended him and the post game presser, you know, didn't say that Mac Jones was great, but he said, look, he's he's not getting a lot of help out there. And, and that's certainly true. Like, I I don't think Mac Jones, you know, is is not salvageable, but I mean, this this Patriots team just—it's it, so strange because we, we haven't been able to say this about New England in so long. But they—they're overmatched at quarterback. They're—they're they're overmatched at receiver. They're overmatched on both sides of the line. Uh, we, we certainly saw the absences of Judon and uh, Christian Gonzalez uh, loom large in this game. I mean, I, I'm not surprised New England lost. I, I'm surprised they lost like this at home. If anything, I, I thought this would be like a you know 13 to 10 type of game. But just this was just a, a, a trouncing from the beginning for New yep. Orleans. And man, I mean. Two of the worst losses in Bill Belichick's career back to back weeks. It's just unfathomable.
1: Yeah, it really is. And, you know, there's an end to every story. And I wonder if it might be that there. I mean, the, the thing is like with Mac Jones, Bailey's happy is no improvement. <laughs> Bailey's no. happy. was three for no. nine uh, for 22 yards. He's a guy that got cut, remember, uh, on the right. first wave of cuts <laughs> and then added back. You know they valued him so much they realized they could get him back on waivers really, really readily. Um, right. That that's how much they value him. So he's no long term solution. Are they maybe sleepers in the Caleb Williams, you know, Caleb Williams yes. showcase here?
2: Oh, no question at this point. Yeah, you're one and four. You're one and four. I mean, what's what's yeah. the upside? Like, I, I It's hard to imagine a New England team like tanking. You know, one you just don't see that that much in the NFL, and it's it runs completely counter to everything that we know. About Bill Belichick I I don't think he's the guy that's going to want to pack in this season but uh you know they they do play at the Raiders next week and we'll see what the Raiders look like tonight against Green Bay but that that on paper is a a somewhat winnable game for New England obviously you don't feel good about them playing anybody right now but uh there's issues on defense like that that feels like a a must win because after that you got the Bills and the Dolphins uh so if you lose to the Raiders you're you're probably going to be sitting at one and seven and at that point, there's absolutely no hope for redemption. Like you still got to play the Chargers, you still got to play the Chiefs. You got mm-hmm. you know, Bills and the Jets again later this year. Like there's not. It's not like you look at the schedule and say, oh, you know, they'll they'll pick it up in the second half. I mean, this feels. You, you never want to just completely bail on the Patriots. But we've we've talked a lot in this pod about the the Belichick mystique. Man, it's it feels like it's dead. I, I don't. Bill Belichick can't coach his way out of this. Like this is a bad roster.
1: I do a weekly radio hit on a main radio station and they were talking about that very topic, you know, and when you lose the locals, I mean it, it doesn't mean it's over, but at the same time, I mean they, they you know, it takes all you had a lot of capital to burn and they're burning it all. Um and that that's that's the issue there. So uh we'll see. Uh let's move on. Let's move on and talk uh well let's actually talk to Saints real quick. Unless you had Alvin Kamara, you were pretty unhappy about the the Saints offensive players too. Alave scored but 2 mm. for 12 two bad weeks in a row.
2: Yeah, two bad weeks in a row uh for Olave, who you know was, was you know, kind of nursing a, an ankle foot issue. Uh you know, played his regular snap count. He's actually been like wildly consistent. PFF had a good note on that that he's played between like 78 and 82% of the offensive snaps in every week so far. So it wasn't like he was in and out of this game, but right. uh just kind of a non-factor for the second straight week. He was targeted five times, only brought in two of those. Uh, you know, Kendrick Miller, I think came away another winner. You know, somebody that, that missed some time to begin the year, but, uh, he started to look quite a bit better. Uh, didn't do a whole lot on the ground in this game, but had four catches for 53, uh, just a, another high volume day for Alvin Kamara. last week. It was, it was through the air this time on the ground. He goes 22 for 80 at the one yard touchdown as well. Uh, no Jawan Johnson this week, uh, for the new Orleans saints. So that was part of the reason that we saw Foster Moreau uh, of all people in the end zone.
1: Yes, indeed. Always, you know, Ever, ever make, at least it's not Taysom Hill. I guess that's the yeah. only thing that yeah. makes me a little yeah. bit happy about that there. Uh, let's move on to a, an actual lower scoring game than this. Uh, the Ravens and the, uh, the Steelers, as always, a rock fight. You know, the Ravens jumped out to a 10-0 lead second quarter. You're like, okay, they're on our way to another good game, a, a sweep, a, a road sweep of their division, and instead they didn't score the rest of the way. How did the Ravens only score 10 points here?
2: That's a great question, Jeff, uh, partially because this was one of the worst games you were ever going to see from a collective wide receiver core. Uh, I think they were they were yeah. tagged for seven official drops, including at least two that would have been easy walk in touchdowns. Uh, I, I know some you know some services that that kind of go through and do grading and whatnot had as many as 10 drops uh, on the Ravens as far as catchable balls go. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, the pick on him at the, or the pick at the end of the game, I think, was on him. Just just a bad throw. Bizarre play call in that scenario when you're feeling pretty good about just kind of taking the field goal there, obviously the defense let them down either way uh, after the interception, but I thought that was strange. You know, just not really what you're used to seeing from the Ravens in that situation. Uh, You know, Nelson Aguilar had a just vintage Nelson Aguilar drop. Uh, You know, Zay flowers had a couple of big ones, you know, one across the middle of the field where he, it it was like, it was basically the earliest I've ever seen a player make a move. Like he, he started making his move. Like when the ball was still five feet away and ended up looking like a bad throw because of it, but it was right on target. Uh, that, it was just, that was the story for the Ravens. I mean, I, I thought they were going to run away with this game early on. You know, they, they, they get a, a big Lamar Jackson run on a third down on their first drive of the game. All of a sudden they're at the Pittsburgh 40 and they, they throw three straight passes, three straight incomplete, and you end up punting from the Pittsburgh 40 yard line. And, and that was just kind of emblematic of how this day went for Baltimore. Uh, you know, they, they lost a big fumble by Justice Hill. They, they went out on downs uh, on a long drive prior to the half. Uh, couldn't really get anything going had the punt block for a safety which they're lucky that there was not a touchdown I mean that, that was inches away from being recovered in the end zone uh and then of course the you know the pick and then the, the Lamar jackson fumble at the end of this game I mean the Ravens I, I thought had a chance like they should have been leading this game like 24 to, to zero honestly early on probably 24 to three at half but the the receiving core let Lamar down I, I think yep. if, if you if you watch you know a, a lot of like bad TV this morning you'll see you know what's wrong with Lamar jackson I thought Lamar was fine for the most part
1: yeah, I saw that uh, the first take thing going around there. And first of all, guess. it's first take. So temper your expectations as far as like, you know, yeah. they're, they're going for the headline. That's their job. Um, I'm not even saying that they're idiots. I'm just saying that it's, it's the format that almost dictates that you get the hottest of takes there. And it's easier to point to Lamar than to pick on Zay Flowers or Nelson Aguilar.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't think Aguilar is doing the same kind of uh, TV numbers necessarily uh, as Lamar Jackson. And, yeah. you know, it's interesting. We, we continue to see a lot of Aguilar uh, for this Ravens receiving court. Like, I, I thought part of the reason that you bring in Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham and Rashad Bateman is so you don't have to rely on Nelson Aguilar for mm-hmm. 41 snaps. But he, he played more than Odell. He played more than Bateman. Uh, you know, Devin Duvernay, who I, I've always kind of liked as like a gadgety guy, like, he's basically out of the offense. He only played four snaps uh, on the day. Uh saw a ton of Mark Andrews. He had 10 targets. I uh, always like to see that. But, yeah, just a, a really strange game. Like the, these Ravens-Steelers games are always weird. Um, you know, I was on the Ravens. We took the Ravens in Circa. Um, we approached it with caution. You know, we, we, we knew what we were getting ourselves into. I think the dog has now covered like 16 out of the last 18 matchups between <laughs> these teams, which is absolutely insane. But coming out of last week, it was like, what is the case for Pittsburgh here? Like how, how do the Steelers do this? And ultimately the case is, you know, the Ravens drop 10 passes. They turn it over three times and, and just allow Pittsburgh to just hang and hang and hang around in this game. Uh, and then, you know, you got to give credit where it's due. Kenny Pickett was not great by any means, but made a, a money throw to George Pickens uh, on a deep ball to essentially yep. win this game late.
1: Yeah, and previously, like, the Steelers' offense was getting booed off the field in the first half. Oh, yeah. I mean, all their all their scoring for them, you know, came mostly in the fourth quarter. There was a safety yep. in there. Uh, there was you know, a touchdown, but missed two-point conversion, of course. Uh, it, just, it, it was it was vintage Steelers-Ravens is what this was. So, yep. uh, Yeah. Um, but we're still waiting for that Todd Munkin offense to really start clicking. It hasn't happened yet. Um, I don't know if it's the design, it's the players or a little of all of the above.
2: Well, I, I think if they make even half of those catches that we, that we talked about, um yep. you know, th- this offense looks a lot better. I mean, they, they threw the ball 38 times. So, yeah, you know, I, I think they're attempting to, to kind of, you know, lean more toward Todd Munkin's tendencies, but if you're not making catches, it's just simply not going to work. Uh You also didn't have, didn't have a ton of success running the ball outside of Lamar who went six for 45, you know, Gus Edwards, 12 for 48, Justice Hill, seven for 32. And that very, very costly fumble. Yep. Uh, and then on the other side of this for the fifth straight week, Jalen Warren has outscored Najee Harris, uh, you know, Harris carried more, but it was just same old story for Najee Harris. Uh, You know, had nothing longer than eight yards, 14 for 37. And we saw Jalen Warren a bit more involved in the passing game as well. Had that one long catch and run. So Uh, If you're a Najee Harris holder, uh, we're we're still him and Ramadre Stevenson just kind of continue to mirror each other every week.
1: Yeah. Although it's funny, the advanced metrics say that Harris is missing breaking more tackles than he ever has. It's just he's having to break more tackles is the problem. So um, it's not like he I I don't feel like Harris is washed. I just feel like the offense is washed. Um, And I think that that's the problem, unfortunately, there. Um, before we move on, let's go ahead and uh, share a quick note from our sponsor, Circa Sports. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. There's no better place to catch the big game than poolside at Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. A massive 143-foot screen with booming game sound. Plus, view special pyrotechnics and visual effects throughout the game. Grab the best seat in the sun with daybeds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more. Don't miss Stadium Swim's Big Game Party, February 11th, only at Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Vegas. Space is going quickly. For more information and to book your seats today, go to CircaLasVegas.com. That's CircaLasVegas.com. Big thanks to Circa for sponsoring us all year. Uh, we will uh, be sharing more with them. And in fact, I'll be talking about the Circa Survivor Contest in a moment. Uh, we we also been doing Circa Pick'em as well. But first, let's talk a little Houston and Atlanta this was a game, like, this is one of the first ones I did a rewatch for, actually, because I was kind of intrigued to see it. Uh, I feel like this was, like, a lot was left on the field in this game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's the case for for both sides. And I, I would say, in particular, Atlanta, who, uh, of course, came out on the winning end, 21-19, game winner uh, for Young Way Koo, uh, after, as their reader, uh, led a, a pretty nice drive, just kind of nickel and dived his way down mm-hmm. the field, had one big one uh, to Drake London that really put the Falcons in field goal range, but this was, this was the perfect Falcons blueprint, right? They're, they're not going to blow teams out, but right. you know, it, they ran 16 more plays. Uh You know, they were six yards per play uh, over a half yard, better than Houston uh, piled up almost 450 yards uh, of total yardage in this game and won the time of possession 36 to 24. Like that is, that is exactly what you want to be doing if you're the Atlanta Falcons. And I, I thought this was another pretty encouraging game for Houston. Uh, you know, really encouraging game for, for CJ Stroud, who continues to look good. Still has not thrown a pick. Uh, did lose tank Dell in this game which can't believe I'm saying this but it is actually a pretty, a pretty big deal uh for this Texans offense uh we saw Dalton Schultz catch the only touchdown uh through the air for the the Houston Texans from CJ Stroud kind of went with a, a field goal raid approach here uh offensively uh big day for Kymie Fairbairn if you're holding him in any leagues Jeff but um, yeah weird game where, where Atlanta it you know was just kind of swung back and forth the entire time I, I will say I did not have did not have a ton of faith that that Desmond Ritter was going to be able to lead this team down for a score, you know, especially after the defense, you know, gives up that backbreaking touchdown uh, on third down, right. I think it was, it was third and nine and you're thinking, okay, you know, you got to get something here. I I didn't necessarily even kind of consider that they would go for the end zone there. You're more concerned about getting yourself into a manageable fourth down that you need to uh, Mm -hmm. convert and really nice throw from Stroud finding Dalton Schultz in the back of the end zone. But Uh, this to me felt like, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say like the best game of Ritter's career, but 28 of 37 for 329 and a touchdown without an interception, uh, also added a rushing touchdown. I mean, this is exactly the type of game he needed, I I think to stave off those Taylor Heineke calls.
1: Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right about that. I I actually thought we might see Heineke in this game. Uh yeah. it was to that point and I, in a super flex league. I was stymied at QB, so I had I I, I took a chance on seeing if maybe one of these backup QBs would come in. That's how bad it was for me. There's just no, no one starting on the available on the waiver wire, but uh didn't work out. But uh Ritter 329, and yet his receivers, I mean his pass catchers really didn't have big fancy days i mean kyle pitt's seven for 87 you'll take that in a ppr league same with drake london six for 78 plus the you know drake london you get the bonus of the 22 passing yards as well uh and yet though it's like it 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 was you know ritter with a rushing touchdown it was Bijan with a receiving touchdown Bijan was kept in check all day and he lost a fumble in this game too uh i feel like atlanta I, i mean i feel like houston tried to key on the running game I thought that that their whole thing was yeah. we're gonna make we're gonna make Desmond Ritter beat us, and he, it was working until that final drive.
2: I think that's how every team should approach Atlanta. Right? Is okay. Yeah. We, we want to limit Bijan and Algier, and we want to make Desmond Ritter beat us. Like I think that is that's exactly uh, what the blueprint should be, and and they executed it for the most part. But but Desmond Ritter bit, did beat them right, and it, it was a lot of short passes, like you said. That's how that's how Kyle Pitts you know got to to seven for eighty seven on 11 targets uh, you know, kind of the same story for, for London and Johnny Smith uh, Smith also lost a huge fumble in this one too. Yeah. And when you say Atlanta left points on the board, I mean, they were, they were in clear field goal, if not touchdown territory, had it not been for that fumble yeah. and the Bijan fumble, I think was at, was that like their own 25 or 30? Uh, so that led directly uh, to points for the Texans as well. Both of those very, very costly. Uh, did not see a turnover on the Houston side of this one. Um, but yeah, I mean, still going to be frustrating for Kyle Pitts. Uh, you know, It was out snapped still by Johnny Smith in this game. Uh, so you, you you like what you see as far as the final yardage and target numbers for Kyle Pitts, but I, I don't think there's a lot of data that suggests that that's going to be sustainable week to week, especially you know if they continue to use Johnny Smith as heavily right. as they have. So I, I don't think we're really out of the woods here by any means on Kyle Pitts. He played 40 snaps to 49 for Johnny Smith, and that's 40 of a possible 76. I mean, Kyle Pitts is not even on the field for almost half of the, the Falcons plays. So it's crazy.
1: It feels like anytime there's a running play, he's not going to be in there. Um, and,
2: no. and and that's kind of a tip for the defense, too.
1: Yeah, it could very well be. Uh, tangentially related, Uncle Ted asks, pick one of these tight ends. Ferguson, Schultz, who who could get a lot of volume next week if, uh, if uh, both uh, Dell and Robert Woods, who got banged up in this game, if both of them yeah. are out, Schultz should get a pretty heavy volume. Or Zach Ertz, also in that mix. So I think it's like a week-to-week proposition. Ferguson, Schultz, and Ertz. Are all going to be playable player? You know, playable yeah. tight ends.
2: Yeah, those are all kind of in the same grouping for me. I I actually really like what I've seen out of Jake Ferguson, and you know, last night's game just got so out of hand that uh, it was hard to to judge a whole lot. I mean, we saw Cooper rush with what like eight and a half minutes left in that game. They get the Chargers next week. Uh, I think that's certainly an exploitable defense. So I, I I think I would give if we're just talking like who are you starting next week. I would lean Jake Ferguson, but yeah, you can make a case for any of those guys.
1: I think if Dell and or Woods are out, I'd go Schultz. Um, And I think Ertz has got volume and he actually scored last uh, this yesterday, but he's probably third on that list for me. Uh, All right, let's move on to the next game here. Uh, And that game is Detroit beating uh, Carolina Panthers 42-24 in this one. This game really wasn't in doubt, Nick. Uh, Detroit jumped them early. Was fourteen yeah. nothing really quick. Aiden Hutchinson had a, a really awesome interception uh, off a screen pass. Uh, David Montgomery delivered early, um, and and then of course Sam Laporta, another tight end that you know, it did a podcast this week uh, with uh, John Hecklin, and we talked about all the uh, tight end angst out there. But if you have Sam Laporta, you're feeling pretty pretty good right now.
2: You're feeling great about it, and you're feeling great about that pick if you're Detroit. I mean, that, that looks like it's going to be a, 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 a player who not only pays dividends for this season, but it's going to be a, a huge, you know, big-time foundational player mm-hmm. for that organization for the next decade. So that, that's looking like a home run. Uh, you know, as we mentioned earlier, no Jameer Gibbs in this game. We knew that would mean high volume for David Montgomery. Uh, that was once again the case. 19 for 109 and a touchdown for Montgomery had a long one uh that came after a second consecutive. Uh, immediate turnover by the uh, by the Carolina Panthers. This was a a fourteen to seven game. The Panthers got a big stop on fourth down, get the ball back, and immediate fumble by Miles Sanders. That turns into a long touchdown drive for Detroit. Carolina gets the ball back. Immediate pick by Bryce Young. One play later, David Montgomery is running into the end zone, and it's twenty eight to seven with about three minutes left before halftime. And that that really felt like it was it. I mean, credit to the Panthers for for continuing to fight. You know, they put up some points, put up some late touchdowns in this game to keep it relatively interesting, but uh, I, I felt like Detroit, you know, kind of took its foot off the gas to begin the third quarter. It um, yep. you know, probably could have been uglier than it was.
1: Yeah. They had a big injury in this one. Uh Cornerback Emmanuel Mosley t- uh, tore his ACL. He had just come back from a torn left ACL. He tears yeah. his right ACL this time. Brutal. Uh, They're hoping to have him help improve their uh, secondary. Now, obviously that's going to be uh, a problem. They did have that sweet flea flicker. Um, Jamison Jamison Williams played like 28 snaps. I want to say didn't do much. In fact, alligatored unarmed a, a yeah. ball over the middle. Exactly. The sort of thing that's going to drive Dan Campbell crazy.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That was kind of the big takeaway was that that drop if he did bring in two other targets, but just for two yards, basically uh, you know, trying to get him out in space, failed to mm-hmm. do that. Uh, you know, still encouraging. I think that he played 28 snaps. Uh, that was, I believe, more than he played in any game last season. So that, you know, if nothing else, it looks like he's kind of hitting the ground running and is ready to go physically, but yeah, not the most encouraging return for Jameson Williams, you know, not really getting anything down the field for him. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think if I have any other notes here, not a whole lot. I mean, on the Carolina side, uh, we did see Chuba Hubbard out snap and out carry Miles Sanders, which is a little concerning, you know, maybe some of that was the fumble for Miles yeah. Sanders. Obviously this was not a like mega high volume rushing game, for Carolina. Uh, in fact, we saw LaVisca Chenault carry five times for 27 yards. Always loved to Almost see him play scored. Too. He did. Dude, he's, I don't know why the Jags gave up on him. Like, he, he's an upgrade over Jamal Agnew, but that, that's a, a story yeah. for a different day. Last thing I'll say on Carolina, Adam Thielen continues to prove me wrong. Like, I did not consider drafting Adam Thielen anywhere. Mm-hmm. He goes 11 for 107 in a touchdown.
1: Yeah. Um, I, agreed. Um, on Thielen, both and yeah, you know, Agnew is a triggering name for me. LaVisca shouldn't be, but you know, you know, it's also I'm never going to use him though because I can never get yeah, you know right. get volume unless you're in like one of those mega leagues. Uh, the, you know that the Lions got stopped on a fourth down, but then Sanders had coughed up that fumble right after that, and that was a bad fumble too. Yeah. Um, it was out early. I mean, it was, and that's something Sanders does. It's a problem for him. Uh, always has been a problem in his career. So, anyways. Uh, I don't have a ton of other notes on this game. I did use the Lions and Circus Survivor. Very happy about that. Thank you very much. Uh, so it does take them out of the mix for me for you know for Thanksgiving because uh, uh, you know, for circa that's a separate slate. So I've used San Francisco and I've used Detroit. So I'm almost either I'm almost locked into Dallas or Miami for the Thanksgiving slate now. So and Miami's a road game at the Jets. So I'm probably almost certainly going to be Dallas for that.
2: Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get to Dallas later in the pod, of course, and what happened last night in San Francisco, but I think you're still okay with that. Right. And like, honestly, if, if you had to use Miami in that situation, that's probably not the end of the world.
1: Exactly. Uh, speaking of Miami, uh, a lot of people used Miami yesterday against the giants. Uh, the giants made it interesting for a while. They had that pick six against yeah. the, uh, 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 you know, 102 yards on the, on the return there. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the, the Dolphins pulled away. I mean, the fourth quarter is a bit of a snooze. Uh, Daniel Jones got hurt in this one here. And again, that that Giants offensive line is just so darn bad.
2: So bad. So bad. Six more sacks for Daniel Jones, uh, including the final one that uh, really ended up knocking him out of the game. Uh, felt like that was kind of the white flag wave for the Giants, who yeah. did keep this game competitive. Although, I mean, you had a fumble uh, by Miami earlier in this game uh, that, that stifled a drive that looked like it was – heading in the right direction. Uh, Giants didn't do anything with that, but nonetheless, that was kind of yeah. another lost possession for Miami. Uh, the pick six was huge. I mean, that was field flipping. I was uh, I was actually out playing golf in the morning, so I had to, had to br- brought the iPad. You know, we got to stream the whole Jags game uh, in the cart, which was fantastic. Awesome. Uh, watching that. And, uh, you know, but I was, I was still kind of driving back home during the the early part of these these noon games. And, you know, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on this one on, on like the game cast. And I'm like, all right, first a goal from the four. Let's go. Miami's going to punch this thing in. And then all of a sudden, like the, the entire app just like refreshes and you know, points <laughs> on the board for the Giants. I'm like, what that? What the hell happened? Like the last thing that crossed my mind is like, oh yeah, Tua probably threw a pick in the end zone and it was 102 yards uh, returned, and that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, Tyree Kill it looked like had a chance to chase it down. Good last second block by the Giants uh, to to kind of get that cavalcade going. But really, outside of that, I, I didn't. I, I think the final score is closer than this game actually was. Uh, you know, not only did you have the pick six, which was massive. Yet another yeah. really uncharacteristic interception from Tua. It was actually reminiscent of of one of the picks that Mahomes threw last week, where he had a man kind of running wide open and just just tossed it right over his head for a pick. And you know, we mentioned the other fumble. It was a it was a sloppy game for Miami. I mean, they they dramatically lost the you know total plays battle, the time of possession battle. You know, a lot of quick drives for Miami, a lot of long unproductive drives for New York. But still, Miami nine point seven yards per play is just ridiculous. Two hundred twenty two rushing crazy. yards. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're at this point now where when they play a bad team, like the giants, like this, this was like a, like a B minus day for the dolphins. And they're, they're still cruising to wins just because of how ridiculously efficient that offense is.
1: Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, and is there anything more comforting knowing that you have Tyreek Hill right now, aside man. from Christian McCaffrey, maybe uh, I
2: use Jefferson over him in DFS and regret it. I regret yeah. it. He is, he is just a machine, man. He's so good.
1: He is. He really is. Um, so not too many huge takeaways. We're going to obviously check Jones' status head- coming in, heading into the week. Uh, it could be Tyrod Taylor that you're picking up in Superflex Leagues this week. Ooh, I uh, love that.
2: I, I, w- I will say we should talk about Devon Achan, who had another big day. He finished yeah. 11 for 151, 76-yard touchdown, accounting for the bulk of that yardage. He is now second in the NFL, Jeff, in rushing yards. He's 37th <laughs> in total carries, 71.1% success rate. According to pro, uh, pro football East. reference, that is number one in the NFL by a mile. Uh, and Right after him are DeAndre Swift and Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, when, when, you th- like, when you think of who's run through the biggest holes this year, it's DeAndre Swift. And A-Chan is still blowing them out of the water. By comparison, Christian McCaffrey, who I think is the best running back in the NFL and has a great offensive line, his success rate is only 55%. So that kind of puts into perspective just how crazy this has been for HN, 12.1 yards per attempt on the season. Uh, obviously, you know, those, if you're ripping off like a 70 yard touchdown every week, that's going to skew the numbers a little bit, but For sure. it, it, it weirdly feels sustainable, right? Like it normally we'd say, oh, this is just a flash in the pan from this, this rookie. I, I mean, they got the Panthers next week. That's a defense that's better than the giants, but it has certainly sh- shown some leaks. Uh, after that, the schedule does toughen up a little bit, but man, Miami has just become so fun to watch.
1: If you take away his 76 yard touchdown run, which he can't, which would be dumb if he did, but. Hn was still 10 for 75 and his other carries i mean yeah. that's still seven and a half yards a carry for crying out loud it's insane
2: yeah it really is and you know this is this is some you know pretty deep stuff at this point but salvin Ahmed was inactive in favor of chris brooks uh so you do wonder if Ahmed, you know if his roster spot is maybe in jeopardy once jeff wilson comes back um yeah, yeah i i like really stupidly two weeks ago i was like eh, i don't know i kind of want to see it again with Hn. Uh, we'll see when jeff wilson's back uh yeah, not really worried about that anymore. I mean, if anything, right. I think he, he looks better than Mostert.
1: Yeah. And Mostert still ran well, but he's definitely, now he's definitely a, a lesser option. Mostert 10 for 65, but Achan got a lot of the early yeah. snaps too, is uh, somewhat yeah. noteworthy there as well. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, yeah, that's the end of the early slate. Let's hit the afternoon games. Uh, Philly and the uh, Rams, uh, kind of a modest output for the Eagles. I guess a pretty good defense, let's be fair in the in the yeah. Rams. Uh 23-14. Uh, we saw Dallas Goddard come back to uh, come back to life this this time, and it came at the expense of Devonta Smith.
2: Yeah, huge game for Dallas Goddard. We've been waiting for this one. Uh he had been just a, a huge disappointment through the first four games, but got him going early. Uh he finished eight for one seventeen in a score. Uh, like you said, kind of a no-show from Devontae Smith, but another big game for AJ Brown it feels like they've made a point to get AJ Brown more involved these last three weeks. And that's showing through uh, yet another game for Philly where you know, I, they, they were in control virtually the entire game. They, they look like the better team uh, you know, threw a pick in the end zone. Really nice play by Akella Witherspoon um, on the drive that should have turned into points. You know, they had two more long drives right after that a 17 play drive that ended in a field goal. And then a 10 play drive that ended in a field goal. Those collectively took up almost 14 minutes of mm-hmm. time. Um, you know, had it went out on downs late in the game as well. So it, it, we, we don't really see Philly, you know, slamming its foot on the gas as much as last year when it felt like they were finishing drives like that. It felt like always ended in a touchdown for Philly. Uh, you know, they, they are struggling a little bit more, you know, on third downs, especially in the red zone. But uh, you got to feel good about the defense here. Uh, you know, despite Cooper Cup getting loose, Puka Pukadakua, you know, those guys combined for 15 catches, uh, almost 200 yards. Other than that, they were able to bottle up uh, the Rams running game and, uh, you know, come out with a win and a cover.
1: Yep. Uh, looking at the target split for the Rams, uh, twelve for Cup, eleven for Nakua. Uh, okay. Is is this a harbinger of what we're going to see going forward? Can they coexist like this?
2: I think they can. I, I really think they can. I was so anxious to see how these guys were used, and it's just they almost feel interchangeable in some ways, right? I mean, it's it's a, one of the like strangest and most unlikely like elite wide receiver combinations that we've ever seen, right? I yeah. mean, Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua are like arguably a, a top five duo in the NFL, if not like top three at this point with some of the injuries that we've had. Uh, yeah, I, I think this was a, a pretty nice blueprint if you're, especially if you're in a cool holder, right? Like we, we knew Cooper Cup right. would come back and whether it was this week or next week or the week after, like, you know what you're getting from Cooper Cup. Uh, so on one hand, it was great that he was just back to being that guy right away. I mean, he, he to me, looked like full speed Cooper Cup. Uh, but even more encouraging to see both of these guys get theirs uh, in the same game. They get the Cardinals, the Steelers, the Cowboys and the Packers in their next four games so I, you know i think that Cowboys secondary is certainly looking more exploitable the steelers are just week to week who knows at this point but i think you like your chances to get loose against arizona next week
1: yeah for sure uh the odd man out for the uh for the uh rams van jefferson two snaps yep. two you know remember people were like oh we gotta take we're gonna draft him you know before yeah. Nakua obviously emerged but when we knew Cup was out, everyone thought, okay, Van Jefferson's the guy. Well, he's not only not the guy, he's not even a guy anymore. He, he's out of the picture completely there. Uh, yeah. 2 2 Atwell's uh, eclipsed him as well. And Atwell's definitely gotten hurt by this, but by yeah. uh, Cup returning, he only had five targets, but at least he's on the field. So there is that. Yeah. Um, interesting there. I don't have any really too many other notes in this game. I, in fact, if I have Defonta Smith, I'm not that worried, but it is frustrating knowing that he is second fiddle. He's kind of like a poor man's Jalen Waddle at this point.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's the case. And yeah, you know, it's just not quite as productive of an offense as Miami, but no, no reason to panic. I mean, that's just kind of what happens sometimes. Like he's a very high end number two, but when your number one is AJ Brown, you know, there, there are going to be certain weeks where you end up being marginalized. And I think the good thing is, like if a if a defense is, is shutting down Devontae Smith, that means the other guys probably getting loose, and there are going to be weeks where where that reverses. You know, we've seen that over the last couple of years. And, and what you mentioned with with Tutu Atwell, yeah, I, there was a kind of a period there where you felt okay about starting him. You know, he was ripping off big plays. Like he's still going to be on the field. He played 50 snaps. He played almost the same number as Nakua and Cup. But I, I think we're we're now in the territory where okay, maybe maybe you can hold on to him if if you have a roster spot in case Cup or Nakua were to go down. But uh, probably not really startable at this point.
1: Yeah, I think you're right about that one there. Um, the, let's go to the Hackett bowl next. Let's go to Jets and Broncos. Uh, if you like field goals, this was your game. Um, if you like baffling mistakes, this was your game. This was not a game we're going to be putting in the Louvre.
2: Seven field goals made. So yeah, I mean, if you're really into kicking, I don't, I don't know what the Louvre stance is on, on kicking, but yeah, huge day for Greg Zerline. Um, you know, decent day for Will Lutz. That's, uh, that's about it. Um. You know, I we we actually opted to take the Jets in in circa Million, so this Good. was a bit more of a sweat than it needed to be. That that last fumble return was a a moment of jubilation uh, for John for and sure. I. Uh, nice, nice three and two week, uh, despite losing the two games that we thought we were like the biggest locks in Buffalo and <laughs> Baltimore. Uh, but this was a nice way to to kind of end the afternoon slate. I mean. I think a lot of a lot of kind of how we thought this game would play out ended up happening, right? Like everybody was on Brees Hall this week, especially in DFS circles. And he yep. goes 22 for 177 at the 72 yard touchdown. It kind of felt like it felt like that long run was coming at some point. There, there were a couple of kind of near misses. And then finally, uh, he breaks that one off. Mm-hmm. I didn't think Zach Wilson was all that good. He, he made made some nice throws. He had a big one. I think it was to Tyler Conklin on a third down uh, to, to, I wouldn't say ice this game, but put the Jets in a much better position when it started to get dicey late. Yep. Uh, but this wasn't, this wasn't, you know, Zach Wilson just going out and single-handedly beating the Broncos. I, I don't think any of our questions about Zach Wilson have been vanquished. Um, just comical ending to the game, of course, with Russell Wilson getting stripped, the Jets bringing it back for a touchdown Wilson getting an earful, uh, from, yep. from, from John Payton on the sideline, kind of dismissing it. Uh, and then Robert Sala, the, the, I don't know if you saw that clip this morning, Jeff, the cameras. Uh, catching him with a, a a quick little stay humble to Sean Payton as they shook hands.
1: Wow, I did not catch that. That's a, that's yeah. pretty wild. Um Yeah, this was this game was a bit of a disaster for your wide receiver options. Garrett Wilson three for fifty four. Cortland Sutton was barely targeted because you know Patrick you know because uh, Sauce Gardner had him covered. Patrick Sert- Sertan in the meantime had a, did a good job on uh, Wilson. Uh, yeah. Wilson had a hard time getting on track Jerry Judy was getting more targets but didn't do a whole lot with them uh, You know, Marvin Mims had a disaster of a day fumbled a punt and then fumbled a river uh, a little yeah. trick play uh, so he barely saw the field and he was causing negative points when he was on um, the only guy that you know you feel besides Hall obviously but the only other guy he felt good about was Jaleel McLaughlin who he looks the real he looks the part
2: he looks incredible. Yeah, we we saw a brief glimpse of that last week, but man, I mean, he is so quick, so quick. And you know, I thought Samaj Piran actually looked okay in this game as well, especially through the air. He gave you four for seventy-three, six for twenty-two on the ground. But McLaughlin, I mean, he has he has noticeable burst uh, yep. that, that really jumps off the screen. Uh, so that was you know as as a Jets better that was the guy I did not want to see carrying the ball throughout the afternoon. I thought he looked really good, uh, but yeah, frustrating day really for all the pass catchers here. You know, unless you you had Samaje Piran. Um, you know, Garrett Wilson, they they target him, targeted him on a kind of a a fade type of route in the end zone, just a really bad throw by Zach Wilson. Uh, I thought that the commentators laid that one out pretty clearly. Uh, you know, it's gotta be up. It's gotta be toward the back of the end zone. He basically threw it almost more like a slant. Uh, so that was a, a big play that, that kind of felt like it swung things back toward Denver's direction. But, uh, once again, I think the Broncos have proven that they are among the worst teams in the NFL and had it not been for a 20, 21 point comeback against the Chicago bears, They'd be staring at 0-5, uh traveling to Kansas City next week. They actually play the Chiefs twice in the next three weeks. Uh, then they get the Bills after that.
1: Yep. Not great. Not great. And their their track record against the Chiefs lately is horrendous, too. So uh not not happy times uh in Denver right now for sure. Uh Chiefs and the Vikings. This was uh the Chiefs took a while to get going in this one here, mm-hmm. even before Kelsey got hurt. Um they didn't really fire away and of course I kind of was counting on Mahomes and Kelsey. I did that was my DFS build. I decided to go that route. At least I got late production there. I got the late touchdown. I thought it was going to be totally screwed when Kelsey got hurt before halftime there, but Kelsey ended up 10 for 67, a lot of short short passes. It worked here. You didn't get those big plays. Mahomes 281 and two touchdowns. Uh he didn't run. He didn't run at all yesterday, which was interesting. No scrambling from there, but Instead, it was actually the defense that won the day for yep. the Chiefs.
2: Yeah, that's probably what the third time we could say that this year. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it wasn't a bad game offensively for Kansas City, but you're still kind of waiting for that that next level to show up. And yeah, uh, you know, I think you know Travis Kelsey going out of this game for a little bit that was the big scare. Obviously, he came back and, uh, and scored the touchdown. We saw the Chiefs come out of halftime with back to back long touchdown drives, but then you know Minnesota answers. It's back to a seven point game. The Chiefs punt. And, you know, Minnesota had a pretty good chance to, at the very least, tie this game uh, late in the fourth quarter. I thought it was the right call, you know, picking up the flag uh, in the end zone. Um, I forget who the who the defender was, but did not look to me uh, like pass interference or any sort of defensive holding. But that was kind of the end of it uh, for Minnesota. Uh, we talked about Justin Jefferson at the top. Uh, you know, once he went out of the game and even before that, I mean, Jordan Addison uh, was the guy who really got loose here. Yep. Uh, you know, he, he to me, you know, is starting to look like the the pretty clear number one rookie wide receiver. I think there are some weeks for Zay Flowers when he's actually catching the ball will be in that conversation, but he made some really tough catches, absorbed some big hits, six for 64 and a touchdown. Uh, nonetheless, though, Minnesota still sitting at one and four. They do get the Bears on the road next week. Uh, after that is the 49ers. Uh, another team that I think, you know, within a couple of weeks here, we're going to know, is their season actually over or do they have a fighting chance to try to scrap for, you know, eight or nine wins and then maybe get a wild card spot? It's just, Everything that's gone their way, you know, the last really you know, two plus seasons, it's all come back around.
1: They really need those head to heads against the Lions to go their way to have a chance. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's going to be the key for them. Uh, um, I think Addison's the number one receiver dynasty wise, but Puka has got to be the rookie of the year for a wide receiver so far, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, things can change on that one plenty of time still. Uh, yeah. but Addison's going to get a lot of work next week, regardless, even if. Even if Jefferson plays, Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see a little bit more Addison than you've had in in previous weeks. And it's a good week to have it. Um, So we'll see about that. But unlike the Commanders, I think the Vikings will throw it to their better wide receivers. Um, So
2: It's it's uh, a wild strategy, but I think they might try it. Yeah,
1: just crazy enough to work there. All right, let's finish off with uh, the uh, Niners and Cowboys the beat me down on Sunday night.
2: You know, we said last week when we were kind of talking ourselves – you know, back and forth on this game. I believe it was on XM. Uh, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I could see Dallas winning. I could see Dallas keeping it close. I could also obviously see the 49ers winning, but I could only see one team winning in a blowout. And that was San Francisco. And mm-hmm. I mean, boy, would, I mean, the route was on uh, basically right away. You know, San Francisco marches down, scores on its first drive. And the, the Dallas offense just looked completely out of sync, uh, especially in the first half. And really they, they never got a whole lot of momentum going. I mean, Dak was just throwing pick after pick after pick uh, as they they kind of got into desperation mode early in the third quarter, uh, you know, there, there was the one drive that made it 14 seven, uh, in the middle of the second quarter, uh, where, where Jack hit Keontae Turpin on a nice ball. Uh, and you felt like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe Dallas could get something going here. Uh, but San Francisco immediately answered with another touchdown. And this was, this was just a reminder, I think of, of how ridiculously consistent this Niners team is. Like I, I, would I bet them to go 17 and Oh, no. But at, at the same time, it's like, you know, where are they going to be tripped up? You know, if, if it's, if you're beating Dallas this badly, I mean, beating them in every single phase of the game uh, like what team on their schedule is going to get them. Maybe it's at Philly later in the year. Uh, you know, they, they, they get the Ravens. Uh, you know, they, they play your Bengals in a few weeks. They're looking better. Like, again, I, I think they get tripped up somewhere, but it's just, it's gotten to the point with this team where they're mm-hmm. so consistent. And you're like, if Brock Purdy is not injured and you know, they would need like two or three skill guys to go out, you know, to, to really uh, feel bad about this team. I mean, they have just built, they built one of the deepest and most talented rosters that we've seen in a long time.
1: Yeah, for sure. The only thing that's frustrating is like that that it seems to be one person's turn on a given night to yep. the exclusion of others. Uh so yesterday was a kittle day. Although it's funny. He had three catches. He had four targets. He still had three touchdowns. I mean, it was just that that day. Ayuk's awesome. Uh and in another he team he amazing. could be a target monster. Um I got to say though, Cowboys are losing the whole time. Somehow CeeDee Lamb gets five targets. What in fresh hell is going on here, Nick?
2: Uh, you know, I would like to just say credit to the San Francisco 49ers defense, I suppose, but yeah, yeah you, you yeah. gotta make, you gotta make more of a point to get CD lamb involved. And this is, this is becoming a little bit of a concerning trend. Uh, you know, even with the Cowboys, you know, winning big against New England last week, I mean, this is now three straight games where he's had exactly four catches. And he's been held under 55 yards. That, that's yeah. not what you signed up for with CD lamb. He has one touchdown no. on the year, even his big receiving game against the jets. he did not find the end zone. Uh so, yeah, I think he's kind of gone a little bit under criticized, you know, when we talk about, you know, who have been the biggest disappointment so far, you know, coming into this week at least. You didn't hear a lot of people say CD Lamb, but I think that's going to be a much more popular topic. They do have a plus matchup uh, against the, the LA Chargers that could certainly be a shootout in Los Angeles next week. So maybe that's maybe that's when CD Lamb gets back on track, but yeah, it's been it's been a rough start for him. Uh, obviously a rough day overall for the Cowboys offense and I think last night was another reminder of we've seen these games from Dak. It feels like there's two or three of them every year. Like, yeah, I don't want to say he's a front runner, but it's like when things when things get bad, you know, when, when, you know, when it feels like the momentum is is all going the other way, it's like Dak almost gets kind of sucked into that. And we, we saw it with the interceptions. Yeah.
1: Well, next week, will Brandon Staley say to Mike McCarthy to stay humble uh, as it's the Kellen Moore Bowl? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's possible. But, um Because yeah. bring back Kellen Moore, man. At least he yeah, would have fed. Seriously. CD the ball a little bit more. Uh just I don't know. I and the thing is, they couldn't stop San Francisco either. So they couldn't Not get going. Else. Deck was terrible. I mean, he's getting sacked a decent amount too, getting pressured, but still three picks, three sacks. I mean, game over. I mean, Pollard lost a fumble. I mean, everything went wrong in this game.
2: Yeah, it was it was a disaster for Dallas. It really was. Uh, you know, I, I think this was this was a huge game, uh, more so for Dallas than than for San Francisco to kind of prove that you're in that same category. And yeah, I know after the game, you know, Michael Parsons said, "Yeah, we just had a lot of mistakes, a lot of things didn't go our way. We still think we're on their level." And I think that's what you have to say. I know I saw some people kind of killing him on Twitter for that, but it's like, what are you going to do? You'd be like, "Oh yeah, they're way better than us. Sorry, we can't beat them." Um, I, I still think talent wise, they 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 are relatively close, but the Niners are on a different level and like you said, it's almost, it's almost become a bad thing for fantasy because you can't, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, they they can't all have a big game every single week. It's just not, not statistically possible. Right. So, uh, you know, obviously you're always going to feel good about McCaffrey who extended his touchdown streak, but that, that was kind of the one thing I guess you could say about Dallas and this, this waned as the game went along. You know, we saw Jordan Mason you know, rip off some big runs at garbage time, but they did do a pretty decent job stopping McCaffrey on the ground.
1: Yeah, they did. They did. Um, it was like less than three yards of carry. Seemed like that was their focus, I guess. And so, yeah, mission accomplished. Make make Brock Purdy beat us. Oh, he beat us. Okay. Um, Man. Back to he the drawing board. He like in this game. Yes, he did. Yes, Ooh. he did. And he's been on point all season long. I mean, that Steelers game, he was dri- dialed in in his first game back. And this is a guy coming off of a major right. elbow injury in a playoff game. So it's like he it's not like he was missing some of the regular season, and had more time to recover. No, he had about as little time as possible mm-hmm. to recover And not just a playoff game, but the NFC championship game. Uh it goes from that to looking better than ever. Uh just, you know, what a scouting coup to find Purdy in the draft.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're we're beyond the point now where you could say, Oh, it's just a system, you yeah, know. We're we're like three weeks or what I guess like five weeks removed for people thinking, Oh, maybe it'll be Sam Darnold and and he'll just be the next Brock Purdy That's right. uh Whoops. for Sal Shanahan. I mean, like Look, I, it's certainly part of it. Like, I'm not going to say that Brock Purdy would be, uh, he's seven to one to win MVP right now, by the way, open at 50 to one. I don't think he'd be seven to one to win MVP if he was the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. So, you know, certainly, right. there's there's some infrastructure credit here, but I don't know how you could watch Brock Purdy and, and just think he's a system quarterback. I mean, I think last night was just yet another reminder of how dialed in this guy is. Some of the accuracy on those throws across the field, um, you know, it's, sometimes it's a little, you know, Aaron Rodgers like. I know there's talk of like, oh, he's this is Tom Brady 2.0. Uh, but you know, the, the, way he kind of sits back in the pocket, he kind of almost fades away on some of those throws and it's just yeah. such a, a pretty path that that ball takes. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you, if you bet Brock Purdy at 50 to one before the year to win MVP, I, I actually kind of like that bet. I don't know if I'd make it at seven to one right now. Yeah. I obviously, you know, guys like Mahomes and Tua and Allen and Hertz will have something to say, even McCaffrey on his own team. I, th- I think this is actually, this is actually a really interesting debate. Like let's say the Niners go 16 and one, they're clearly the best team in the league. Like I I could see Purdy and McCaffrey almost splitting votes. I know it's not a running back award anymore, but I I still watch this team and think McCaffrey is really what makes it go.
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. And I I think he's definitely still in the mix too. And he did get his score, so he's continued his touchdown streak, which is pretty impressive too. Um, Yeah, it it is. If you're drafting today, are you drafting CMC first? Are you going to draft Tyreek Hill first? Are you going to you know now that Jefferson's hurt, it's kind of unfair. But
2: yeah, right. Knowing what we know now. Yeah, I was thinking about this last night watching the game. Like, CMC took some huge hits. There was one where his helmet yeah. was like knocked kind of sideways. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot that this guy's like a huge injury liability. And there's something like, since he's come to San Francisco, I feel like that that has kind of evaporated. Like, it's still in the back of my mind, you
4: mm-hmm. know, that that he had
2: mm-hmm. all the injury issues in Carolina. So, for that reason, I, I think I would say Tyree kill, But I mean, either of those guys are, are a rock solid choice. I, I also think, I mean, we didn't, we knew Miami's offense would be good. We didn't know it would be on this level.
1: Exactly. Exactly right. All right. I th- we've covered every game. Anything else you want to add before we take off?
2: No, not too much, man. I mean, I'm excited for for Packers and uh, Raiders tonight. Uh, obviously, if Aaron Jones doesn't play, that that certainly makes me feel a little bit uh, queasy about my my Packers pick here. But mm-hmm. uh, interested to see Green Bay bounce back. It's been a long time since that Thursday night uh, atrocity against Detroit, and I, I think we've kind of gone week to week on the Packers. It's like, you know, are they good? Are they not good? Are they just an average team? I, I think this game will tell us a lot. Uh, going on the road uh, to a Las Vegas team that is very very beatable. Uh, And if Green Bay struggles again tonight, uh, I I think we might have to kind of do a recalibration as far as what the upside is there, but excited for that. You know, we're we're just three days away from Thursday night football as well. The the cycle continues.
1: Indeed it does. Uh, Chiefs and Broncos on Thursday night. So should be fun one there. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening uh, to the podcast. Thanks to Circus Sports for their sponsorship. Thank you for your comments in the forum. Take care. Have a good day.